Hello, everyone. Welcome into Living Liberty Today. I'm your host, Charlie Earle. Today we have episode 87, Inversion. Now, it could be conversion or diversion, but we have chosen inversion for an obvious reason that we'll get into in just a second or so. First of all, I want to start with um, episode 87, Inversion in the collegiate sense. Uh, Lincoln College in Lincoln, Illinois, is closing after 157 years because of the constraints and forces coming at it from the COVID fiasco and the cost of private colleges and things of that nature. Their average tuition is about 17 grand a year and then obviously uh, meals and housing beyond that. They have uh, generally about a thousand students there and they offer a BA and an MA degree. And it's, it's unfortunate. Lincoln, Illinois is halfway between the capital of Springfield and Bloomington, which is an insurance center. And uh, just something that I find sad, not because I hate to see private colleges go down and more and more power be swung over to the government-run institutions. So if enough of you uh, are willing and have enough money, let's talk about going together and opening our own Liberty College, and I mean Liberty in the true sense. Uh, just kidding. I'm not, I'm not ready to own anything in Illinois right now, given the way their tax and political situations uh, are. So the reason we have inversion as our title today is because we hit what's called the inversion curve. In other words, two-year bonds are selling at a higher rate than 10-year bonds. Now, what does that mean? Well, A, that means people are, or investors are, assuming we have a finite amount of dollars available, not counting what drips into crypto and other uh, off mainline investments, are losing some faith in the stock market and putting their money into bonds, uh, which, as you note, the stock market seems to be dwindling down, even though it has spurts of up and back down again and spurts of up and back down. It is It is going down. So people looking for a safe haven for their dollars are buying bonds. But they're not, and we're talking government bonds here primarily, but they're not all that optimistic about the future. So the five and 10-year bonds and the longer-term bonds um, are somewhat selling at a lower rate than what the two-year bond is. So that means is that investors, and they're not always a canny class, some of them are dumber than a brick, but still manage to get through it, uh, are still a little hesitant about the economy. I should say a lot hesitant about the economy going forward. And when you get uh, coming forward now, we expect the Fed to um, increase interest rates again. They say by as many as 50 points or a half a percent, if you will. Uh, that's going to have an even greater impact because as interest rates go up, then the bond returns go up correspondingly, and the cost of doing business, so the cost of capital uh, and the cost of operating money becomes higher and higher. And uh, I got an article I'd like to recommend to you. It's from, um, we, we 
quoting frequently on this show, Luke Lango's hyper-investing from April Fool's Day. <laughs> anyway, uh, that would have been Friday. Uh, it, it, it's a nice discussion of about what it means. Uh, he thinks it's going to be time for a tech stock breakout, uh, whereas the rest of the stock market suffers. Um, I think I tend to agree with him to a degree because people who are still not enamored by a 25 or 2.6% bond return are going to be looking for some hard, fast, and quick money. And they may be investing it in the tech sector. The problem with the tech sector, as it always has been with any new innovative um, things coming into our society and our culture, is picking the winners and losers. And, um, you know, there may be four or five, six, a dozen maybe entities that are all working on a similar resolution to a problem and that's what invention and innovation is it's finding solutions to problems uh so there may be several people with an idea on resolving the problem the bottom line is picking the winner who's going to end up getting the market share it's not always the best solution let me go back to my old days and as a communication uh professor or teacher and teaching new technologies in the communication field, by far, the Betamax was the best uh, recording device we had available on the market at that time. But the VCR supplanted it and became numero uno just because it was cheaper to produce and thus gained into the acceptance curve much wider, much quicker than the Betamax ever did. And so the VCR became the standard until digital came along and we started, you know, doing C CDVs and CDRs and all those kinds of things, DVDs, I should say. So that's what you want to look at as a tech investor, that the market's going to go crazy and wild, but picking the winners and losers on a long-term basis it's going to be much more problematic. What it means is you're going to have to do a lot of research of your own. Look at not only what is the best application, but what is most likely the enduring application that captures the market share. Okay, there's a fellow that I read every day. And I, I, I don't think I've ever mentioned him on this show before. But uh, I have a lot of respect for him and his point of view. Sometimes he's a little nuts and a little crazy, but we share that. We share that, that, that aspect. His name is Dr. Michael Hurd, H-U-R-D. And he has his own newsletter called the DrHerd.com Digest. And that's D-R, Dr. Hurd, all one word, .com Digest. Uh, he also has a column called the... Uh, Artful Dilettante, which I've quoted from time to time. But uh, he just has a whole series of columns called his Daily Dose of Reason. And and I just think they're, they're all worth looking at um, in the sense that he's a psychologist, a doctor of psychology, but he's also a libertarian small L in the sense that he believes in individual and personal freedom and he examines whatever's going on in the economy and society in general, politics, what have you, from a freedom aspect 
And I would just encourage you to pick up on him and start reading him. Sometimes it's going to make you insanely angry. You got to pound on your desk or pound on your dashboard, whatever. And other times you're going to go, aha, I hadn't thought of that. So Dr. Michael Hurd, drhurd.com, scope it out. Another article I want to remember, uh, remind you about or encourage you to, to look at if you want to, and it's from one of my regulars that I report on here, Doug Casey's International Man. And he has, in the column that was issued on April 1st, again, Friday, April Fool's Day, David Stockman on the coming bond bear market and what comes next. And uh, so we were just, we began the show talking about the bond market and how right now, comparatively speaking, it may be a bull. But in the long term, David Stockman, who, again, one of those guys that you go, aha, he got it right. And other times you think he's crazier than a loon. Uh, than a lonely celibate loon, I might add. Uh, but it's still worth reading. Give you some insight, some analysis. If if you're torn, if you've got a few bucks to invest and you're tor- torn between bonds and stocks, where to go? So we're trying to give you a look at where some people think the tech stocks may be exploding and others say, no, go to bonds, CYA, investing. And David Stockman says, oh, wait a minute. Not so fast, my friend. Okay. And moving on, uh, NAMI Prince, again, Wall Street Week. Uh, from This is from Saturday the 2nd. And she's got an article in there by uh, Maria Bontaventura on how Wall Street hung the little guy out to dry. Now, I, I normally wouldn't suggest something like this to you because it's so self-evident. Wall Street and government always hang the little person out to dry. That's just the nature of life. If you know anything at all about history, you know that's the way history performs. The little people get the shaft first. You know, it's, there's that old line about war, that the uh, old men start wars so young men can fight them. And that's sort of the young people that end up going into the military end up usually being uh, our people who not are part of the elite upper classes so we can risk their lives uh, without feeling guilty about it. In fact, that's one of the things I would argue right now is what made uh, PT-109 such a big thing back in the uh, 60s when John F. Kennedy Jr. was a PT boat commander. What made that interesting, I think, and engaging for a lot of the people, which probably led to his getting elected other than the manipulations in Illinois on the electoral vote and so forth. But what probably enabled him to win was, first of all, a dedicated uh, Catholic vote, because a lot of people, just like we're going through all the, we're going through the the transgenders, uh, the blacks, the females, we're going through all that thing, you know, first ever, first ever, first ever, every time we turn around. Uh, He was the first uh, Catholic to be elected president of the United States. But I also think there was that element that the people had a high degree of respect. And I think 
compatibility with, uh, a recognition with, uh, alignment with somebody from the so-called elite class who went to war and fought. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of people from those classes who ended up in the military or particularly in what was is now the C- CIA, the OSS. But most of them didn't get their hands dirty. Uh, most of them didn't sleep on the cold, hard ground. Most of them didn't spend their time patrolling in a little, in a little boat trying to take down bigger ships. And uh, so I think in that sense, he captured the imagination of the bulk of the people who knew that they were still getting screwed by the elites, as we always have. You know, the elites were once kings, dukes, and earls. I'm an earl. I'm not an earl. I'm not an earl, earl. I'm an earl. But anyway, those people have always had privileges and advantages that the rest of us never had, and uh, which makes, makes it easy to understand why Robin Hood was so beloved because he robbed back tax money and gave it back to the poor. People who say he robbed from the rich and gave to the poor, that's not true. He robbed tax money back and gave it to the poor. So he robbed from the government and uh, nefarious, nasty government. Can you imagine a government that's not good for the people? Gee whiz, what a thought. Anyway, um, so I'm a little around all over the map here today, a little different from last week where I focused on zero hedge all day. I don't even have a zero hedge article in today's program, but I do want you to think about what the tension is and what that means for you. You may not be an investor, but what does it mean for you that we have this tension going on between the stock market in general and then certain sectors of the stock market, the bond market, inflated interest rates coming up now, which is going to affect your ability to buy and sell real estate and the impact on that. Commercial real estate may be a real danger going forward, but maybe we'll talk about that next week because I have a real interest in commercial real estate. So that's pretty much it for this uh, episode 87, Living Liberty Today. I thank you so much for being with us and tolerating my, uh, my fickle imagination on here. So Remember, I want you to live free, stay free, and be free. I'm Charlie Earle.